What's up, Cam? Not much, Mitchell. How are you? I'm doing okay. Doing all right. Hanging in there. I'm glad that we're back. Yeah. I've missed our chats. I know. It's been a month. It's felt weird not talking to you a couple of weeks ago. So you're uh your your full name's Mitchell, right? I just assumed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I've always gone by Mitch. Um my there's only maybe like three people in my life that uh consistently call me Mitchell. Uh one would be my mom. Uh, one is an ex-girlfriend. And one is a girl that I work with right now that just thinks it's hilarious to call me Mitchell instead of Mitch, which I don't know why she finds it so funny, but some people are broken. Yeah, but <laughs> it has the added benefit of solving a problem that I had growing up. Uh, you know, I, I would uh, get into my first day of school almost every year. And then, of course, when you get into school and you have multiple teachers, you would uh, yeah, I would have this problem multiple times uh, mm-hmm. over the first couple of days of school that everybody saw my name and thought it was a mistake that it should be Craig Mitchell instead of Mitchell Craig. <laughs> so I was constantly saying, no, it's my first name is Mitch. Oh, and they make the mark. And I still have people that call me Craig instead of Mitchell. That's funny. I uh, there's a couple of guys that. at church that have not uh, embraced uh, Mitchell as my first name. So that's pretty, that's pretty funny. funny. I hadn't considered that, but that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. So, but the problem is, is that I uh, sign on to everything that I do as Mitch Craig or Radio Mitch, depending on what it is. But there are so many different, there are, there are a lot of Mitch Craigs out there. Um, I think we've talked about the one that uh, I run into that is a voiceover talent that owns my URL, that when he dies, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> Yikes. So, <laughs> Isn't there, isn't, there's like sites that you can, uh, sign up to stalk a URL. Uh, I'm not aware of these. I I thought there was at least years ago where you could put, put the URL into a, a site and then that site would check it like every day to see if it's available. And then when it, like if somebody lapsed on their uh, registration or something like that, it, you'd get an email saying, Hey, it's available. And then you could snap in and buy it up. And I, I thought about doing that, but this guy would probably sue me and uh, seems a little mean spirited. Get it back. Well, you know he's rich and I'm not. He can't sue you for buying an available URL. Or you know it'd probably be more like trade dress. He would. I would be impacting his business negatively, and he could probably make a claim. So, but I get email from him for um, on Google because apparently he's got an email address close enough to my name because you know that punctuation doesn't mean anything um on gmail yeah so if you have you know like your your email address has a period in it mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that whoever owns your url without the period doesn't get your email i get email from uh mitch.craig at gmail.com all the time there's a guy actually is a guy that lives in michigan and uh there's a guy in canada i think i've gotten email from uh, the big one is a guy that works for the Fuji Water Company. That uh, that I get I get an email of his every once in a while. I have gotten car insurance emails. I the guy in Michigan actually goes to a church in Michigan, and he was involved in a study. And I was getting all his emails for a while from this study. 
until I finally emailed the lady that was sending out the email saying, hey, you want to clarify your email address because you're sending it to the wrong place. Um, and then I haven't gotten any from him since then. But uh, the Fuji Water Company makes me laugh because I get I get his emails because he apparently travels a lot. And uh, and I got a email once saying, hey, you're this is just to confirm your hotel room here. Um, please email us and let us know if you need to cancel. <laughs> there was an evil part of me that was really tempted to, to uh, send an email back saying, oh, I won't be able to make it. Yeah, I'd like to upgrade to the penthouse. Please put it on my card. <laughs> right. Anyway, so did you finally got snow down there recently? Finally. Finally? Uh, bro, we've had three winter storms in the last like four weeks. We've got oh, that's like amateur on, hour up here. We've got dumped on multiple times. So, um, we had talked not long ago about about. Also, that I love that you. Really I love that much. you referred to me as down there. <laughs> down there. <laughs> yeah, because I'm such a southerner up here in northern well, you're, Illinois. You're about four or five hours from me, right? Yeah. I, I mean, no, we've I, gotten way more snow than you have. How much snow do you have? Um, I will say that, uh, if you walk down the sidewalk right now and the sidewalk is well shoveled, uh, you're anywhere from halfway up to the knee to up to the knee in most areas and snow. We have just just as much snow as you, not that it's a competition, but we have just as much. I don't, I don't know how that's possible with you being so far down. So (laughs) For those not watching, the look of exasperation and befuddlement on my face is is uh, extreme. So far south, I'm 45 miles south of Chicago. Oh, I just got to give you a hard time. Oh, you're acting like I'm Sorry. some, you know, I'm some like you know Southern Floridian down here in Key West. <laughs> I know, right? At least you're not in Texas right now, right? Oh my gosh. Okay, I saw a meme. Uh, mm-hmm. and of course with, with any internet meme, you have to take it with a massive grain of salt and because True. it's meant to be funny, even though I know that there was some serious, serious, serious stuff going down in Texas, but it was, the line was Texans, all caps, don't mess with Texas, snow falls <laughs> Texans. And it's a lady <laughs> just like in the fetal position crying. <laughs> <laughs> The spirit of is funny, but I realized that it really yeah. did put a lot of people in very, 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 very bad situations. But the the juxtaposition of don't mess with Texas and then snow just doing what it does, which is fall from the sky and it shuts the whole state down was pretty humorous. Yeah. I uh I will tell you that I I do I feel bad for him, but at the same time, like I'm I'm sitting up here thinking to myself, it's sitting up here with, you know, we're expecting um, three to four inches of snow tomorrow. And it's been sub-zero temperatures for weeks now. And I'm I'm sitting here watching the news coverage and, like, trying to understand what they're going through down there and failing um, epically. Because I, I just... Apparently they don't have furnaces. I and I can kind of understand why that, that Yeah, there's no infrastructure that makes sense down there. There's no infrastructure for them to deal with it because it doesn't happen. So there's no need. Except for the one time a decade or two it happens, right? But Yeah. And I mean the the retail outlet that I work for, you know, being as big as it is and as uh 
and then the supply chain that it has, we run out of heaters in the winter, you know, so I can't imagine what happened down, down South where they might keep like a half a dozen heaters on the, on the shelf because they just don't sell. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they need a massive amount of heaters. So, which, I mean, the company that I work for does a pretty good job of sending emergency truckloads of stuff to places where it's needed. I mean, I'm sure they probably had pallets and pallets of, uh, of heaters sitting in the aisles to sell. And they probably sold most of them too. Cause we've seen that here where we end up with flooding and all of a sudden we've got sub pumps and, you know, all kinds of pumps and, you know, I, we haven't really carried sandbags, but we got something in a few years ago. That's kind of a sandbag type item. That's just to help you out with your, with like little small leaks and stuff. But I can't remember what it's called. It's like Insta dam or something like that. It's, <laughs> Yeah, I have the Super Bowl predictions in the show notes for today, too, because uh, because we haven't talked in so long uh, when we did record the last episode. You know, as the episode was released, the Super Bowl is pretty much getting started. Yeah, great, great timing on that one. We're going up against the Super Bowl. <laughs> so I failed epically at my prediction and you nailed your prediction. I by accident, of course, I'm sure, but. <laughs> unless you put unless you put a lot of statistical uh, research into just you know irking me but no what was what was my prediction i forget was it tampa bay and kansas city it was yeah okay and and i said packers and bills oh yeah you and did. of course that didn't happen <gasps> swing and miss so, yep so i don't remember if we if we picked a winner or not but yeah i don't know it was like i don't think we did four years ago feels like yeah, <laughs> it feels like four years ago, right? Now. It's been a long month, man. Oh, it has been. So speaking of which, uh, four weeks ago, you took the drafts challenge. You I were going to work uh, work with uh, drafts and see if you could uh, if you could handle it. So I'm interested to see how this turned out. Right. So what I did was I put uh, the drafts complication on my Apple Watch, I changed the shortcut on my iPhone home screen to instead of launching IA Writer to launch drafts. So same location, same button, but just opening a different I, um, item. Mm-hmm. I added drafts to the dock on my MacBook and my Mac Mini. So I had it in all the right places. I didn't use the complication on my watch once, which is not a reflection on drafts but it's more of a reflection on how I use my Apple watch. It turns out I don't ever use my Apple watch in that way. I use it to check the weather. I use it to do the workouts on my Apple TV. I use it, you know, uh, to check the time, you know, ironically. Uh, but that's about it. I used it on my phone quite a bit, but I use it on my Mac the most. I actually did all of my youth group prep for the last month on drafts instead of IA writer interestingly or not depending on your point of view here i didn't use a single one of the automations i just literally used it as a place to store text i didn't send that i didn't use it to do like reminders and then send it to reminders i use i use you know uh my australian male voiced siri because it's just funnier that way Uh (laughs) so just an aside here i've Far prefer a female voice for that, but oh, no, mine's mine's each a, their own, man. Mine's a male Australian, and it's glorious. I wish when I would say good morning to him, he'd say good day, mate, but he doesn't. <laughs> he just says good morning. The scene is set, which is a little less 
um what's the word whimsical but anyways uh so i used it only really as a text capture app i didn't use any of the oh do send it to here or you know send it to there which again i think is not a reflection on the application but is a reflection on how i use text capture which is i i write it down and it just stays there until i choose to delete it um if i want to add stuff to reminders i talk to siri in my home pod or i type it into good task on my phone depending on if i'm home or i'm out and about um i don't really send tag if i want to write an email i write it in the email client that being said drafts is a really really good application but i do not use it to near the extent or capability that it has built in. And so um, while it's been nice using it for the past four weeks, I have realized there's no reason why I need to use drafts over IA Writer because I'm not using drafts for what it can actually do. I'm really just using it as a place to store plain text. And in that case, I'd rather use IA Writer because I like the way that IA writer looks better than I like the way that drafts looks visually. Yeah. So I would agree for, with that for the most part drafts for me is just that place where like I, I need to take a note or I need to write something down or it, I don't have to think about where I'm going to put it. That, that's just where it goes. And you're right. I don't use the actions all that often. Um, there are power users out there that, you know, have, really harnessed a lot of that stuff i think one of the things that i do use as far as an action is concerned is if i'm at work and i need to like pound out a bunch of uh a bunch of tasks um you know i'm walking with my my manager or something like that and i'm Mm -hmm. i'm typing in tasks real quick or there is a to-doist action that will allow multiple uh, items to be added to to Mm to-doist out of drafts and all you got to do is have a, a line break between them. And so, you know, that's how I tend to, uh, to do that. So. Yeah. And that, and that mean and that goes to <clears throat> the differences you and I have in our task, the way that we handle our task management, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's also the difference in our work in our yeah. jobs. Right. So like you're walking with your manager, Oh, I got to do, 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 do And you and you're, you're so much more granular in your, task capture than I am. So that it totally makes sense that that would be something that, that you would use to get your tasks done the way that you, that you prefer to do it. So yeah, that makes total sense, but mm-hmm. just the way that I operate, I'm not saying the way that I operates the right way. It's just habits, right? Like I'm just, oh, I'm no. so it, ingrained in how I do things with, with my technology in this way that um, even after four weeks, I literally, I didn't, I even built a custom action in drafts for reminders where I could put like the list and I could like all this stuff. I spent the time to do it and I didn't use it one time, even though I knew it was there and I took yeah. the time to build it just because habits. Right. Uh, and, and I'm just used to doing things a certain way. So I tried and I didn't fail because I actually used it and I didn't use IA writer once that whole time, but I'm going to go back to IA writer um, just because it, it feels yeah silly to use 10% of an application when I can use a hundred percent of another application that I actually let, think looks nicer and I enjoy using. So yeah. that being said, yeah, drafts is a really, really just, good application. You should give it a shot if you're into the, the action stuff, but it's just not, it's too much for me. 
Yeah. And I, um, I think part of it for me is it's just, you know, it's where I came from, you know? Mm. So we, like you said, we develop our habits and, and I don't use drafts a ton, but when I do use it, it, it works really well for me. So I don't have the, the need to do a lot of the things that you're doing with IA writer either. I don't write that much. So all right. Well, we talked a little bit about, well, I should, I should preface this with, with some uh, quick conversation about something my wife uh, told me the other day. She's, she, she's been really enjoying the program, but she's like, you guys were talking about something the other day. And she's like, and then you totally just turned on a dime and switched into your first topic. She's <laughs> like, I wanted to hear more about that. Which, you know, I went back and listened to it and it was our discussion about, uh, about TV. Mm, and okay. we were talking about some of the shows that we watch. Uh, and pretty much we we weren't really discussing it. I mean, we were talking about WandaVision at the time. And neither one of us had really, I think I might have seen an episode of it. Or we were just talking, kind of spitballing a little bit about um, where it might be going or whatever. And uh, Although she did tell me it was what she was really wanted to hear more about was your take on The Rookie. Uh, because I think I think she has a bit of a crush on Nathan Fillion. <laughs> I like it. It's a good show. I'm I'm two episodes behind. I like to save those episodes mm-hmm. up and watch like two or three in one shot. So I'm I'm two episodes behind right now. Um, and so actually that was on my to do list this weekend was to was to get caught up on the rookie. But I like I like the balance of humor and lightheartedness. Like every episode starts with like a sort of off kilter humorous beginning. And then they go to the title scene and then they hop into whatever, you know, the episode's about. And, you know, there's, there's a nice balance of like real world stuff with some humor. And some episodes are super, super heavy on the drama and some episodes are lighter. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just, I like that each episode while it's the same show, you're not really sure what you're going to get. Maybe one of the cops gets captured by a serial killer and buried in a barrel in the desert, or maybe mm-hmm. they're just in a neighborhood trying to clean it up. Like you don't really know what each episode's going to go. So it's not like a monster of the week episode or show in that sort of way, even though it kind of it. It's, I just like that. It sits kind of across multiple genres and you're not really sure which one it's going to focus on each week. Sometimes there's a story that spans a couple episodes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's a story that's contained in one. And I, I like that. It's not like law and order where it's a, you know, it's a contained episode every week for 25 years, which my mom loves that stuff. Right. But not for me. Yeah. I think, I think the the shows that, that I think of when you talk about like a formulaic uh, crime drama is, you know, your CSIs. Oh God. Yeah. I can't, I can't do those. I mean, they're, they're, they're really clean, like three act, um, mm-hmm. shows. And, and one thing, like if they, if they are using those, those, uh, formulas, they're mixing them up, you know, so that you're not getting the same thing every episode. Yeah. And like, to me, like the rookies, the rookie is not like, uh, you know, it's not challenging me intellectually or philosophically, like it's entertainment. It's not something I go for, for, you know, intellectual stimulation or, you know, pondering the wonders of the universe. Like for me, it's like, oh, this is 45 minutes of fun. I can relax. I can kind of somewhat turn my brain off and just enjoy, you know, a good joke here, a decent action scene here. Uh, It's not to me. It's not one of my favorite shows of all time. Like it's not Battlestar Galactica. It's not lost. 
like it, it doesn't even scratch that tier of TV for me, but I still really enjoy it. And sometimes I just want to enjoy a show. And I love, I love the cast. I think it's really well cast. I think um, they did a good, a good job of balancing a few known actors with a lot of people I'd never seen before. Um, it's a diverse cast, which I enjoy, which brings a lot to the show um, because they, you know, it's a, a show about police. So inherent in that is race relations in America. And so you get, you get that aspect of it. Um, so and you're getting yeah. that a lot this season. Yes. <laughs> Just because of the, the climate. So. Well, and, and I'm glad that they're not shying away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're, I think they're handling it tastefully, at least in, I mean, as a couple of white guys watching it, it seems tasteful. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an entertaining show. I enjoys it, but again, it's not, it's not lost and it's not Battlestar Galactica. So get a chance to watch WandaVision at all. Not yet. I did watch Mandalorian season two though. Oh man. Yeah. It was so good. Yep. It is. I mean, some of the criticisms of the, of the second season are, are legit. Just, you know, the way that's just become the Dave Filoni show, you know, just bringing in so much stuff from the Clone Wars and Rebels and it's good. It's still super good. So as someone who's actually watching Clone Wars for the first time, Mm -hmm. uh, I was like, Ahsoka's only in one episode. What the heck? Like, you know. Uh, but there's also stuff that I haven't even gotten to yet in Clone Wars or Rebels. So like the two Mandalorians, Katie Sackhoff and uh, Sasha Banks, mm-hmm. sorry, Mercedes Renato, um, yeah. use her real name. I don't know if her character specifically shows up anywhere, but uh, Bo-Katan, uh, Katie Sackhoff's character does. I was like, why, why can she take her helmet off? But you know, Mando can't. And one of my friends, um, that's been pushing me to watch all this she was like bro clone wars and rebels i was like i'm not there yet and then we had this whole thing and i was like well wouldn't that like lead to like a civil war and she's like oh my gosh just watch clone wars and rebels it's already happened and then legit two episodes later in clone wars we show up a mandalore Mm -hmm. and i was like oh this is so cool so it might as someone who's experiencing it for the first time it is knowing that like what I'm watching in Clone Wars and we'll watch in Rebels is going to lead to broader storylines and interactions. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. Um, but that, yeah. you know, again, just one guy's opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw a uh, meme and I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but, uh, you know, the Mandalorians were at war with the Jedi. The Mandalorians were at war with the Republic. The Mandalorians were at war with the Sith. The Mandalorians were at war with the Mandalorians. It's like, who, you know, the, the whole idea was that, you know, there always seemed to be a war. But but Duchess Satine is a pacifist. So, yeah, it is going to be kind of cool if they if they open some of that up in in these series. It's just I think the thing that uh, was a little bit jarring for me in the second season of, of The Mandalorian was just how heavy it was. I mean, if that would have been a 20 episode arc with that you know, with a few episodes here and there that, that mix some of that stuff in to tell the story totally would have been fine. But in an eight episode arc where you have, you know, two, three, four episodes that cross over into, um, the clone wars and rebels, it, it, uh, it's, it just felt a little, little heavy. So, 
but and then and then having and I don't don't want to spoil anything, but then having a major player in the uh, Skywalker saga show up at the very end um, was, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, it's one of those fall off your seat moments. And I had I had to, I knew something was going to happen, and I almost did, hoped it wasn't going to be him. I was gonna, hoping it was going to be another character, but then it just made sense that it was him. So in the greater picture yeah that was the one thing i got spoiled on but i had forgotten about i had totally forgotten because i waited so long to watch season two that Mm -hmm. i had totally forgotten about it until it started happening and i was like oh this and it like it all came rushing back and then i got to like Mm -hmm. you know re-experience it so well his ship flies up to the uh, Mm -hmm. uh or docks with the the ship that they're in and then the lightsaber hilt gets revealed a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It's like they just played it really well, you know, to the point where you finally see his face and you're like, oh, crap. You know, it's yeah. And we're so. all like, I didn't know Han Solo had a lightsaber. Oh, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to pull your uh, geek card. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> I got a good laugh out of it, though. Yep, yep. I'll talk a little bit about Star Wars later with my uh what's delighting me today, but uh but first, do you have something in here in our show notes about Readwise? Yes, so I I dangled this carrot a while ago and uh <clears throat> do you know what Readwise is, Mitch, or should I start from scratch? No, I saw it in the in the show notes, and you may want to want to talk about uh, what it is for the listeners. But um, I did download it a little bit and have played with it a little bit, and it's intriguing. Yeah, so I uh, I have Ali Abdal to thank and blame for this. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with Ali, he is a doctor over in the UK who also runs a YouTube channel because you know apparently doctors have all sorts of spare time. <laughs> And uh, he is, uh, he's brilliant. Uh, I enjoy his channel. And um, one of the um, things that I have stolen from him is Readwise. And so essentially what Readwise is, and it's uh, readwise.io is the website. It is a place that you can put in the show notes. Awesome. You can sync your highlights from all sorts of uh, places. So you can sync from Pocket, from Twitter, from Medium, from Apple Books, from Instapaper, from Kindle. There's a podcast client called Air, A-I-R-R, that you can take quotes in, and those will sync with uh, Readwise as well. There's a web highlighter, like you can integrate with Goodreads and Feedly. Like there's, you can do CSV import, and you can also, and this is the part, that's cool for me because while I do read occasionally in Apple books or Kindle or Instapaper, I am a, you know, physical book guy. I like, I like the freedom of being able to write in the margins and, you know, I have different like symbols I used for various types of highlights and brackets and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But you can in Readwise on your phone, you can take pictures of your book and the OCR is spot on like there's been stuff where some of my my underlines have gone through words because i'm going too fast and it still captures it no sweat and then you can import it into a book uh, in readwise and it stores all your highlights from all of those different places it keeps them up to date um which is super cool uh 
just for that. But what it also does is that you can get either on the app on your phone or an email, it will send you uh, highlights every day so that you're being presented with the things that you've read on a regular basis to keep it fresh in your mind, to spark new ideas. And then you can choose like, Oh, I want to favorite this. I want to keep this. I don't want to keep this quote anymore. And it will remove it. It'll still keep it in the highlights database, but we'll remove it from your regular review. And it, it over time will, it makes sure that it's pulling highlights from all different things. Um, so you're not just getting the same highlights over and over again, which is, I find it very helpful. There's been a couple of times where I'm like, Oh man, that really is a good quote. Boom. Share to Instagram story because like, Oh, this quote, like I haven't read this book in two years, but man, this quote is like really awesome. And I want to share it with my friends. Um, and so you can export it that way. But then if you want to get real nerdy, you can uh, sync your Readwise with Notion, with Rome, with Evernote. Then you can also export it as a CSV or a Markdown document as well. So I have, I actually have Notion and Rome set up as exports. So anytime I add a highlight to Readwise, it also sends it to those places. Um, and the reason I I have it in both is because I'm just testing. I just want to see how it handles the export. So it's. It is a repository for all of the highlights and notes that you've taken in books, in, in articles. And in, in my case, I started using the Air podcast client um, for specific podcasts, not for all. Because like, there's some podcasts I know, like it's a tech show. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not going to want to save a quote. But like some of my other more like theology-based podcasts, I'm like, oh, there's probably going to be, you know, the, the chance of me wanting to take a quote from this show are extremely higher you know, than this other show. So, um, I have enjoyed it and I actually, I got, I started the one month trial two months ago. And then because I had less than 200 quotes, they gave me another free month. And then literally Mitch, as we were starting talking, I had to sign up for the, my two, my two months of free trial were up. So I had to sign up for it today, but the one, the one downside, and then I'll shut up is that I've got a lot of physical books and so the the process of going through all of those books to add all the highlights is incredibly daunting to me. And I just don't want to do it. But I know that I should because once I get them in there, then they're there. And then I can get them out in any way that I want. So it's one of those things where it's like I might, you know, throw a movie on later today and try and get through a couple books and just do it, you know, over the next couple of months. But it's I'm a big fan of the I love the daily highlights and and getting to get insights that I thought were interesting, you know, 3 months ago, 6 months ago, some of these some of these books that I have in there I haven't read in 2 years, 3 years. Um so if that at all sounds intriguing to you, you can get a full month free trial and you may get extended to two free months like I did based on how many um uh quotes you have or highlights you have in there. I will say um, we can get free months if uh, you use my link or Mitch's link. If Mitch is going to do it, that feels a little weird. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to yeah. try and get free months out of people, but uh, it's worth checking out, in my estimation. Um, have you used the widget at all? Uh, I have it installed. Um, on my on my two Macs. But I don't really mm -hmm. do a lot of reading on my Macs. 
if I'm reading something online, it's usually on my phone or my iPad. And in that case, I just send it to oh. Instapa- I send it to Instapaper and I do the highlights. Oh, the widget. Oh, I mean, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The widget. Sorry. Yeah. I thought you meant extension. Yeah, no, I have the widget installed on my phone uh, as well. And it's, it's in a stack with um, my Bible app. So I've got, you know, mm-hmm. verse of the day and then I've got um, quote of the day. <laughs> yes, I have the widget installed and it's quite nice too. But I do like the daily uh, highlights because you get three. You get multiple. Um, so, and they're usually mm-hmm. different than the the widget, which is nice. I could see this being huge for like going going through, like I've got an old Bible that I've got a ton of highlights in mm-hmm. and just going, you know, page by page through and capturing each highlight. Um, not that they're all s- super significant for me, but the one thing that this app is really missing for me is Logos integration. And I don't see that that's going to happen. <laughs> I was going to say, that's really but, wishful uh, thinking, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, but being able to pull all those all those highlights in, because I'm not joking, I have uh, so many highlights and so much in Logos already that... Uh, well that's yeah so that's the missing missing part and honestly i think your best hope for that is the rome api because there's a Mm -hmm. bunch of nerds like the only reason i use rome is for tracking bible study and sermon notes and so i can have that whole graph that connects all the, the the studies that i'm doing the sermons that i'm hearing the books that i'm reading that are specifically about theology and doctrine and faith um and as soon as all that R-O-A-M, Rome Research. Oh, R-O-A-M. Okay. Yeah, it's, I love it. It's amazing. It's got all the backlinking, and it's, but it's like super still really, really fresh. Um, but there's stuff being built with the private API that eventually is going to become public. And at that point, that's when I think you're going to get some Bible nerds. are going to be like, boom, Logos into Rome, and you're going to be in a nerd heaven. But yeah, I don't think I don't think it's going to happen with Readwise anytime soon. But that would be pretty cool. Well, Rome has two uh, two levels for subscriptions: professional and believer. Yeah, <laughs> one hundred and sixty-five dollars a year or five hundred dollars for five years. Is it one sixty-five? I think it's gone up. I could be wrong. It's one sixty-five. It's fifteen dollars a month if you want to want to pay monthly. I think they've increased the price. I could be wrong though. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to look into this. Notions for 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 free, Mitch. I think Notion. Yeah, you know, I don't know if I want to become a Notion nerd though. <laughs> That's uh, that just sounds like a like a like a rat hole that I do not. I'm never going to come out of. Fair enough. So cool. Yeah. I think, I think it's a really cool, yeah, it's a really cool resource. Um, it, I've been enjoying it just, you know, I put the widget on my second home screen on my phone. I just, it's in a stack, but I'll, I kept it surfaced at the top of the stack and it's, I I like it. It's reminded me like, I, I, have you read uh, thou shalt hustle? No. (laughs) Are you uh, laughing at me for reading it or? No, I was laughing. I was laughing at the name. Mike Schmidt, I think it is, who uh, oh, from the Sweet Setup. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Um, he uh, he was on, or I don't know if he's still on with with uh, Max Sparky. Uh, I don't know why his name is escaping me right David now. David Sparks. David Sparks. Yeah, but uh, I think I thought that he uh, 
that he took over or he went he was added to the Mac Power Users um, it's, it's, podcast it's, at one point. Well, it's him and it's David Sparks and Stephen Hackett. Okay, what, what am I thinking? Oh, it, it was a different podcast. I'm spacing on the name right now. But yeah, so I know Mike Schmidt. It's from the SweetSetup.com. It's one of Sean Blanc's websites, and Mike is one of the main contributors and editors of that website. Which I think, Mitch, you would really enjoy it, actually. Yeah, and he's uh, he's up here in Wisconsin. I think he lives up in Appleton, from what I understand. So we're up in this area. So that uh, makes a Wisconsin boy happy. <laughs> so, <clears throat> But I, I started reading his book, and this is all to say this. I started reading his book uh, um, years ago because it's it's taking the idea of being – like striking out on your own, working for your, for yourself, all the, the, the pitfalls and, and like being motivated and, and, you know, getting the hustle, but from a biblical standpoint, yeah. Appreciated some of what I've read in the book. I'm not sure if I, if I agree with everything, but, but I'm liking what, uh, what he's having to say. Well, I had forgotten about the book until I started with Readwise and it popped up some of my highlights one day. I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah, I remember that book. And so I went back in and I'm like, man, I've only read like 50 pages into this book. I, and it's only it's like 125 pages in, in the Kindle. So it's, it's not a, very long, but I'm like, man, I need to finish this book. And well, then I realized as I tried to read it again that oh, I need to restart this book and, and reread the first half of it and then finish it. I wanted to talk a little bit about Robin Hood today. So it's a does little bit of a can, loaded subject right now. And, does that mean I can call you Little John? No. No. Okay. <laughs> the Robin Hood, the financial app. Oh, that Robin Hood. You've talked about it on the show before, um, briefly. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at uh, kind of dipping my toe in the, the pool of um, stock market investing. And Robinhood seems like a the the likely first step in that. But before we talk about that, let's just touch on the controversy that's been going on over the last few weeks with the GameStop shorting. And I don't understand all this is that's going on, and we don't have to get into all the nuts and bolts of that. But just that Robinhood kind of shut off the the ability to buy mm-hmm. GameStop and some of these other some of these other. Uh, Stocks. investments mm-hmm. yeah stocks thank you and there was a lot of controversy about that and whether or not they should have done that or um a lot of people that were pretty angry about <laughs> not being able to lose all their money because they don't know what they're doing <laughs> yeah so <laughs> but you know i had a guy that i work with that that was very angry about that because he wanted to throw some money into uh, gamestop and he couldn't he couldn't buy mm-hmm. so have you heard uh now we could you know talk about how angry everybody got but have you heard the interviews with the uh with the owner or the developer of the app no but there, so part of part of the app is you know you open it up you've got your home screen underneath you know the you know how much you have there's the daily graph of the ups and downs of your portfolio and then underneath that is a bunch of cards that you can swipe through and for like mm-hmm. 2 weeks the first card was you know, why we're doing this with GameStop. And I was like, I don't care because I'm not investing in GameStop or AMC or any of these other, you know, things. And I'm not about 
investing in what Reddit says I should invest in so that a few people can get stupid rich because they got a bunch of people to do something that some of them understood what they were doing. I'm sure a lot of them didn't. But mm-hmm. I think like, okay, Robinhood is, to the best of my knowledge, its own company that can make its own choices. It's a platform that allows people to access the stock market. Now there's there's obviously like, ethical questions of the stock market technically is can, can a company restrict your access to the market that they're serving? Well, technically yes, because by signing up for an account with Robinhood, you're signing up to their terms and conditions. And they may say you can only invest in these 10 stocks on our platform. Yes. Now the issue I think for why a lot of people got super mad is Previous to this, you could invest in GameStop. You could invest in in AMC. And then Robinhood took it away. And boy, we don't like it when things get taken away from us, Mitch, because we're adults Mm -hmm. and this is America and we like our freedom. And uh, I I can understand why people got super mad, but I can also understand why Robinhood did it because they have to report their all their filings to the SEC and they don't want to get shut down because people on their platform were engaging in potentially nefarious investment tactics. Now I say potentially because that's, Mm -hmm. it is so gray that I think Robin hood took the conservative approach to cover their own butts to make sure that they could still be a platform going forward, which from a business standpoint makes all the sense in the world. But as an Mm -hmm. individual investor, I should, should, you know, in serious air quotes, be able to invest in whatever I want, whether or not I know what I'm doing or whether or not it's ethical, which again mm-hmm. is totally open for debate. I'm not saying one way or the other um, if it was right or wrong, but yeah, it was messy for sure. Yeah. Well, and when you hear uh, uh, Vlad um, talk about uh, his, um, why he did it, it also has a component to do with, and I'm not sure that I totally understand uh, the nuts and bolts behind this, but it had a lot to do with the fact that there is a two-day gap between when you invest and when they receive the money. So they actually front the money for you um, until your fina- your your money comes in. Mm-hmm. So he said that was that was something that really stressed uh, Robin Hood as well. Is like you've got all these people buying stock, and he's like, well, we couldn't afford to put all that money out there. Yeah, and That's so really we had point. to secure. Yeah, he had. He's like, we had to secure investments, and you know they had to get lines of credit and stuff like that to be able to open that back up mm-hmm. um, for people to uh, to be able to invest in those stocks. Well, and so it wasn't just um, GameStop and AMC that they stopped before. So there was a point during that same stretch where you could no longer buy crypto without first selling stock or ETF or other crypto that you own. So like I couldn't just take 500 bucks from my savings account or my checking account or wherever, my bank institution, and then send it to uh, Robinhood and then take that $500 and invest it straight into crypto. I would have had to invest it in something else, sell that, and then put it into crypto. Now, that has since changed, just like the ability to, you know, they've removed the restrictions on, on GameStop and AMC and these other stocks. But I was like, that's super weird. And, and as someone who, you know, 
is invested in Ethereum and Bitcoin, I was like, well, what the crap? I know what I'm doing. Why can't I do this? But again, it was to that point of right, they're fronting all this cash and, you know, Bitcoin has gone from $8,000 to over $50,000 in the past year. So there's, you know, uh, a lot of craze and a lot of money going into it, billions of dollars. And so them having to front the cash for two or three days makes a lot of sense on why they would back this stuff off uh, at the height of, you know, yeah, the mania. Which I hadn't considered, so I'm glad that I'm glad that you brought that up because that's a really good point. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there. If you go into the app this morning, I think there's a 15 minute interview that he did with a couple of ladies where he uh, explains that. So, yeah, I have not. Uh, but yeah. I've been enjoying it. I I threw in a a, a huge five dollar bill into the uh, into Robinhood just to have a little bit of fun. So. And uh, of course, threw it at the one stock that I'm familiar with. So, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I and I made I made up to 13 cents over the last week and lost a few cents, and now I'm sitting at about six cents up. So nice. And I really was it had a lot to do with I wanted to try this and see, you know, what's what is you know Robinhood all about, and and how can I uh, how can I leverage this for you know any kind of investments that I want to do in the future. And, you know, I'm coming to it without really knowing a whole lot. You know, I, I went into LinkedIn learning and, uh, and saved a couple of, uh, of courses on investing in the stock market and stuff to try and get a little bit more savvy with that. But cryptocurrency is kind of a, a thing that I haven't really gotten into either. Help me understand what cryptocurrency is. Like I have a basic concept of it, but. So, all right. So stocks are ownership in a company, right? And their value is perceived on the value of the company, the potential of growth for that company, and then also supply and demand, right? So we can tie stocks to companies, right? Services, products, like we can tie it to something. Crypto, and again, this is to the best of my knowledge, there are plenty of people out there that know more about this than I do. But to the best of my understanding, cryptocurrencies are purely value storage like like gold but gold is a physical thing right that there's only a certain amount of and so there are limits on how much cryptocurrency there can be but that's purely a rule made by humans it's not a physical limited resource like gold is uh, but it's the same concept of we are going to mine that's even why they use the term mining right like we're going to we're going to make these coins digitally we're going to store value in them. And the only reason the value goes up or down is based on the amount of coins there are and then the demand for those coins in the market. So it's you take away the company, you take away the service. It's purely about how much value do people say this is. So it's in that case, it's just like money. $20 is only $20 because we mm -hmm. say it's $20. It's literally a piece of paper really fancy, hard to, hard right. to counterfeit paper, but it's, it's the same concept of money. This has value because we say it has value and 20 bucks when you and I were kids was a lot more than 20 bucks is nowadays. Same, you know, same money, yep. similar looking bill updated a few times, but you can get a whole lot less with 20 bucks than you could get back when we were kids. So it's the same concept, but mm -hmm. way more volatile because it's a global currency 
and it never stops trading. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the stock market shuts down mm-hmm. at a certain right. point, right? And then it picks up in Asia and Europe and that sort of stuff. But it's it is purely a value storage, which and it's so new and so to your point, there's so many so many people that don't understand what it and like my 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 understanding of it is like very shallow. I know enough to be dangerous, but I wouldn't, I mean, I would never give advice. Let's put it that way on what you should and shouldn't invest in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a value store based on supply and demand and the overall outlook of, you know, what people say it's worth, which is why it go, it's gone up and down. And, you know, Tesla's like, Oh, we're going to invest however many, you know, millions of dollars in, Oh, and psh, it just spikes. So, you you got some people saying that that mm-hmm. that uh, Bitcoin's going to break a hundred thousand dollars this year, and you've got other people that say forty eight thousand isn't even tenable, so it's going to crash back down into the twenties. The experts have no idea what's going to happen with it. Like if if one expert says it's going to go back yeah. down to twenty five, and another expert says it's going to go up to a hundred thousand dollars, then no one knows, nobody knows, because that's literally getting cut in half or doubling in a year. So it's yeah. it is incredibly volatile. Uh, still very very new which is what makes it exciting because it's like i wonder what it's going to do today <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so i just and i got i got lucky because i started my investments in march when bitcoin was at eight thousand yeah. dollars and it's now at 53 um so 56 actually oh, just, was it 56 it. oh gosh i yeah. haven't checked it since the other day so Fifty six nine. Yeah. Holy cow! Yeah, and Ethereum's mm-hmm. up over two thousand. Man. Yep. I'm not. Anyway, uh, I'm not mad about that. <laughs> I am not mad about that. I I will say that uh, that you know, it's good. It's good to learn a little bit about the investing process and 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 all that. I will tell you that Robinhood does a really nice job. Yeah, um, I love it. Just the way it gives you the information. You know, it wasn't hard to buy the stock you know, through, through, uh, Robin hood. Mm-hmm. I think they, they really got a nice, uh, a nice platform and they've got a widget. So you mm-hmm. can, you can watch your money all day long. You can you obsess want. over it. Yeah. I have it on oh, yeah. my today view. So it's like, I have to go there to look at it, but there's two things that I would, yeah. I would suggest for those that want to learn more about investing, uh, go to Morningstar's website. They have some stuff is free. Some stuff is behind a paywall. The free stuff, the free resources they have on on stocks and uh, ETFs and mutual funds and all that sort of stuff is really, really, really helpful. Uh, Morningstar is an incredibly well-respected um, financial institution. Uh, they give great advice. And in fact, they've got a relationship with Robinhood, which brings me to my second point. If you pay the $5 a month for Robinhood Gold, you can get Morningstar uh, like pro investment insights. So you get, uh, you know, what they rate it on their five, you know, one to five star system, what they think the fair, uh, trading value is. And then you get the full white paper on, you know, what the company is, what, you know, what category they're in, how well it's managed, what the outlook looks like, what, what, uh, you know, the volatility is like, what, the bullish people say what the bearish people say. So you get this full thing. And so I've just made it a point of mine. I don't invest in stuff that isn't a Morningstar five or Morningstar five-star stock or five-star ETF. Cause 
if the pros mm. think it's a good stock, I'm going to do what they say. I'm not going to go like, well, Morningstar rates this at two, but I think this. No, the people that spend all of their time doing this and have built an incredibly successful investment company say, this stock sucks. It's totally overrated. This stock is this stock has the potential, doesn't mean it's going to, but has the potential to double its price. I'm going to invest in that one. And even if it doesn't double, but only goes up 15%, that's a really good investment. Um, so I would, if, if investing at all is something that you're interested in learning about, go to Morningstar's website um, and you will learn as much as you care to. All right. Well, that's about all I had for the, for Robin Hood, but I am really appreciating the, just the, the way the app looks and yeah, it's, it's really well done. It's really well done. And I don't hate the uh, app icon either. <laughs> I can have it on my home screen and not hate it. There we go. Which I can't say about everything. Craig Mitchell approved. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry. All right, man. What's delighting you today, Cam? <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Uh, the University of Michigan men's basketball team has been delighting me all season, Mitch. It's a uh, man. They are fun to watch. Sweet. They are currently ranked number three in the NCAA men's basketball category behind uh, Gonzaga and Baylor. And they only have one loss this year. And they just whooped up on Rutgers the other day. They're playing number four, uh, that team from Ohio this weekend. So that's going to be a fabulous game. But they play unselfish basketball. They play great defense. It's just, man, they are fun to watch, and I enjoy it very much. And I'm going to be in Indianapolis visiting my cousin during the uh, the tournament, so we're trying to figure out if we can get tickets to go watch a game, which would be glorious. Sure. So that's what's delighting me. Just really, really good, solid team basketball at a school I'm that I'm a fan of. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And you know me, Mitch. I love my college sports. Yep. And you know me. I could care less. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, I, I've been tempted before to get into college sports uh, just because there, there are advantages to it. There are things that are, that are fun, that are fun about college sports, but. I don't know. Yeah, it's a shame Just, you didn't uh, watch uh, Michigan go up to Madison and beat Wisconsin the other day. Yeah, that is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> What's delighting you, Mitch? You know what? So everybody that listens to the show knows my love of Star Wars. And uh, this year they've started a new... Uh, new chapter, uh, so to speak, in the Star Wars universe. Now, when you read the books, uh, and this, this starting in a book series, they have some uh, comic books that are going to be coming out. I don't know that they're delving into uh, any TV shows or movies at this point. I haven't seen anything uh, come out about that yet. But it's Star Wars The High Republic. And it has nothing to do with people getting high on spice, which is a thing in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> this is the Republic at its height. 
there are some, uh, there's some malevolence that's growing in the, uh, outer rim and there's, there's stuff going on and there is a big disaster and, and it's affecting a lot of different areas of the, uh, the galaxy. And that's where this, this series basically gets kicked off. Yeah. Sorry. I need to interrupt just for context. So when you say it's like the height of the Republic, we're talking like the old Republic. So before all the movies, this is a uh, 400 years before the Phantom Menace. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. yeah. So way in the past. So, yeah. So this is uh this is the height would, of the Republic. Would so you say it's, it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? Yes, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you hate me so much. I'm sorry. Carry on. You know, it's, it's, I can't slap <laughs> you through the computer. So. <laughs> All right. So basically the the first book in the series and i and i think it it uh it's important to read this book first because every every other book in this series kind of stems off of really the first chapter of this book and uh, what happens basically is that there's a disaster in hyperspace and it it affects the whole the whole uh, republic because they have to shut down hyperlace hyperspace lanes to deal with this so um it's a far-reaching disaster for everybody because basically if you have something you know and we've never seen this before in the star wars um in the star wars universe where something has affected um the hyperspace lanes to the point that they've had to shut down whole parts of the galaxy um and made them inaccessible to people because this disaster basically a, a ship blows up in in hyperspace and and things are getting thrown out of these hyperspace lanes into different uh, star systems and uh and killing people and in one case almost des- destroyed an entire um an entire star system and so as you're as you're reading through the different novels it's they're all kind of like different areas dealing with this and then self-contained stories that uh that are affected by this event and so i've read uh, the first one is light of the jedi which which is uh basically how how they kicked off the whole thing i'm reading into the darkness right now which they're not really linear they're not really linear books in the in in the uh in that way they're they're basically kind of all happening at the same time or within the same time period uh so you're not uh you're not getting like read this book first, then read this book, and then read this book like like a trilogy of books would be. Mm-hmm. But if you're reading the books, they they all kind of interconnect in some way with this this disaster. So I'm uh, reading into the darkness right now, which is really really interesting because it's diving into the whole concept of uh, force um, objects, uh, the the idea of being able to imbue an object with the force, whether it's light or dark. And they, they run across some objects that are, that are dark side objects. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm about halfway through the book. I'm, I'm not into it far enough to really understand what they're, where they're going with this, but, uh, but it's been interesting so far, but I have been enjoying these books as much as I've enjoyed some of the early books that I read in the, in, in the star Wars books, which, are all pretty much legend legends now. So if you haven't heard me explain this before, there's two different categories of Star Wars books and comics. 
there's the the ones that are considered to be canon which uh when disney took over or when they bought lucasfilm and they they started creating more works in the star wars universe they basically said all the books that had been written up to that point were now legends books they were no longer canonical they could be but but they're they're handled more like uh, mythology or um, things that might have happened in the in the past or future or whichever that these things might have happened, mm-hmm. but they're not. They couldn't hold themselves to just the immense amount of uh, of extended universe stuff that what that had been created up to that point. Totally understand where they're coming from with that. But what has been really fun is to watch them start bringing some of the legend stuff back into um, the Star Wars universe and in, into canon. Uh, which Grand Admiral Thrawn was a big one, and when you'll you'll see Grand Admiral Thrawn when you get into the Rebels, the the books that I would have recommended to anybody who is starting to read any of the books uh, would have been the first uh, Thrawn trilogy, which is technically Legends right now, but some of the best written books uh, that uh, that I've read in the Star Wars universe. I'm almost changing some of my feelings on that you know i certainly think that that the thrawn trilogy or the original thrawn trilogy uh there's actually a newer one that is canon that uh, that came out and now they're they're working on a second one the thrawn ascendancy trilogy but the original um heir of the empire um trying to remember the other books in that series uh heir of the empire is the first one though is those are great books I don't want to take away from that, but these High Republic books are kind of getting back to the way they they told stories in those early Legends books, and I'm really enjoying them. They're good. The sheer amount of books and comics out there, I found a website uh, that like lists the chronological order of everything that's canon, and I just kept mm-hmm. scrolling and scrolling. I was yeah. just like, oh. My, because I remember like I read like the Rogue One books and like all that stuff back in like the 90s. I was all into that. None mm-hmm. of that matters now, apparently, because it's all legend. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. It's legends. Like it exists. It's, it's there, right? Yeah. But I had become so unaware of the growth of all that stuff that I went back like two months ago and started. And I was just like, I had no idea how much there was outside of the movies because i was just ignorant um it's uh there's a lot mitch <laughs> yeah well not that long ago i uh i bought the dawn of the jedi comic series mm-hmm. this is a i think the the interesting thing about the star wars universe is that there are um different feelings about how all this started uh, in canon right now, what what you're going to get is, and I think it's in, I think it's in the Clone Wars, where you meet the father and um, Ashla and Bogan, the uh, the light and the dark side chil- chi- children of the father. And when you go back to the back into Legends. Uh, to anywhere from 10,000 to 25,000 BBY. So you're going way back to the, the I mean, they're called the Dawn of the Jedi um, books and, and comic books for that reason. This is, this is where the Jedi started. Uh, the, 
the story and the just the concept of the force in in those in that time period is so different from the way it is now the concept now they're living on tython and they're um they have the moon bogan and the moon ashla and that's that's where the ashla and bogan thing comes from the light and the dark if you were a jedi your goal in as a jedi was to be in balance with the force. So your Jedi would use some dark side stuff as long as, as long as you stayed in balance between the light and the dark. Now, as you get further and further through history and, and even where I'm at in the high Republic right now, they have divorced themselves from using the dark because it's too dangerous. You have to be, you have to only be light side. And that's where you start getting what they refer to as gray Jedi, who um, who kind of take that original uh, concept from Dawn of the Jedi, and they walk the line between light and dark and balancing the light and dark. So <clears throat> that's what I found super interesting. And on t- on Tython, they would uh, if you were out of balance and leaning towards the dark side, they would send you to the Bogan, the moon to to get back into balance in you know you're basically your goal was and you'd be imprisoned on the moon until you got back into balance with the force and then you could come back to tython so it's really interesting how the concept of the force changes over time you know through through all the books you know legends and canon books so two things yeah uh, the the concept of balance right Mm-hmm. I, I have never, 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 never understood how the prophecy, right, about the one that would bring balance back to the Force, how the Jedi ever interpreted that as him being a good guy. There was like right. 300 Jedi and two Sith Lords. It was already out of balance. Balance means equality. So how could how could you possibly think that balance meant getting rid of the dark side? Like, it just blew mm-hmm. my mind how they ever thought that the the prophecy was going to be fulfilled by someone on the light side. Like just guys, words mean things. They have definitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that has always bothered me about star Wars. Uh, secondarily and more lightheartedly, and you can judge me all day for this. I didn't know what BBY and ABY stood for. So naturally I thought, Oh, before baby Yoda and after baby Yoda is what I thought it meant. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it's the battle of Yavin, not, not baby Yoda. So that's, that's where I was at. Right. That's how I had no, idea. I was again, going through that website. I'm like, what's this BBY ABY? And mm-hmm. just, that's what I thought it meant. And then I got to where the Mandalorian was and I was like, Oh crap, it can't be that. Yeah, so the Battle of Yavin is the first battle in the Star Wars A New Hope, the the first uh, destruction of the Death Star. So just just so to give uh, context to... Yes, um, just like shooting womp rats. Yep. Anyways, now that I've officially outed myself as not knowing <laughs> what that meant. So the prophecy... Um, the prophecy is dealt with a little bit in Master and Apprentice. The this that book took place a little bit before uh the Phantom Menace when uh when Obi-Wan was just starting uh with uh Qui-Gon Jinn. And Qui-Gon Jinn was really huge into um prophecy. And at the time the uh the Jedi were believed that getting into prophecy was a was a path to the dark side 
So he was kind of a rebel and kind of an outsider because of his interest in, in prophecy. So when you look, when you, when you get into the movies, you don't get that from the movies. Uh, no, but when he's, you get into the movies, you can kind of see that. He's pretty obsessed with Anakin being the one and the, like the chosen, mm-hmm. like he's like to the point that he defies the Jedi council and starts to train him. Yeah. But I, but what I'm what I'm saying is that you, that there's so much in the early movies in the prequel trilogy that really isn't fleshed out, and oh, yeah, this, yeah. the Master and Apprentice kind of fleshes that out that that he's kind of outside of this, mm-hmm. and he question he even questions and Obi Wan questions the the validity of the uh, prophecies, mm-hmm. and and whether or not they're they're really true. I think there's two ways that you can take that prophecy uh, of balance the the one who's going to bring balance to the force is the one who's going to bring balance to the galactic force that uh, you're going to. And really when you look at Anakin, he kind of did that because he led the charge to kill off all the, all the Jedi and really did kind of bring some balance back to the force. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you could take it in a different direction that it was someone that was going to go back to the whole dawn of the Jedi concept of, individually having balance in the force like not being scared of the dark side but keeping it in check you know because you can't you don't want to fall into the dark side but but using a dark side ability was not going to be the end end of what you know it wasn't wasn't going to be the end um that wasn't going to draw you down that path now when you look at ray ray used some dark side some dark side abilities you know she shot lightning which is is considered Mm -hmm. a dark side ability it scared her but she had a respect for that and and there you probably could go way deeper into that if you wanted to um because she didn't understand the concept of you know it's okay for me to use dark side as long as i keep it in check didn't have that idea of balance but uh but you could take that two different that prophecy could have been taken a couple of different ways yeah so Man, I'm feeling nerdy right now. <laughs> this is why I'm a Star Wars guy, not a Star Trek guy. Not to say I don't enjoy Star Trek, but I just I don't get into it as much. It's fair. Uh, if you want to check us out, uh, you can check out innerdialogue.show. Uh, we have our back catalog uh, available there. And if I'm not mistaken, we're on episode 19. So we're coming up on 20 episodes here in a couple of weeks so i don't know if we should celebrate that yet 100 episodes will be a pretty big uh, celebration but but 20 episodes is significant it is so uh you can also hit us up on twitter if you have uh, questions comments anything that you'd like to add to the show uh, we'd love to hear from you i'm at mitch craig and i'm at cam brennan so hit us up on uh, on the Twitters, and uh, we will uh, would love to hear from you guys, even if it's just to say, hey, you know, we've really been enjoying the show, or you guys are a couple of knuckleheads, you shouldn't have a show. <laughs> um, you can just let us know how you feel, and uh, either we'll be like, thanks, man, we really appreciate it, or stop bothering me, troll. Very good. Farewell. We'll see you later, man. Bye.